This is the Locked On Aggies podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. The Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source of everything Texas A&M athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, I'm your host, Taylor Travis. And if you're not already following the show on Twitter, I recommend you do that because during games, during the week, I'll tweet out some news, some takes. It's at Locked On Aggies on Twitter, at Locked On Aggies. You can also follow my uh, personal Twitter, at Taylor Travis 15, but you'll see all the episodes posted there. You'll see uh, some news if it regards Texas A&M athletics. And uh, during the game, I like to tweet out some of my takes, some of my observations. So if you're not already doing it, I suggest you go ahead and follow Locked On Aggies at Twitter at Locked On Aggies. We're going to talk a lot about the Texas A&M Alabama game that took place last Saturday. By the way, I'm still a little bit under the weather. My voice sounds really funky, but hopefully we can get through this podcast without my voice just completely giving up on me, because it's very possible I was struggling earlier. But I rested it. I tried to recover a little bit, so we're going to give it a go. But again, Texas A&M dropped one on Saturday, 45-23 to to number one Alabama. A tough loss for sure. They had opportunities, and they didn't take advantage of those opportunities. But I think it went about how we all expected it to. I remember my score prediction on the show Friday was 52-24 to Alabama. I just thought that the Alabama... Offense, especially Tua Tungo Viola, was just going to be too much for A&M. I was really uh, hesitant to put much faith in the Aggie secondary. Turns out, I was right. I mean, they got exposed, to be quite frank, against Tua Tungo Viola and the Alabama offense. They just had no answer, whether it was pass coverage, whether it was tackling. It was just all around really bad. And I know the Donovan Wilson ejection for targeting didn't help. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later because, you know, to be honest with you, that was the right call. It's a dumb rule, but it's a right call. And I think the NCAA needs to look at that over the offseason because there's a lot of good players getting ejected from big games this year, just like Donovan Wilson. He's already been ejected twice for targeting. Both times, they were not intentional. It was just one of those things where the offensive player lowered his head and it went helmet to helmet. It wasn't malicious. He wasn't trying to hurt the guy. But according to the rule, any helmet to helmet hit is an ejection and it's the right call. Very, very stupid rule, in my opinion. We're going to talk about that later, but it was the right call. But before we get too deep into this Alabama game, which, by the way, in here in just a little bit, I'm going to talk about my three good things and three bad things from the game. But before we do that, I want to tell you a little bit about Vivid Seats. Now, I'm a big sports fan. One of my favorite things to do is go to live sporting events, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, hockey, whatever. I just like to go. I'm also a big music guy. I love going to concerts, any live event is something that I really love to do. And I'm sure you do too. So where do you go to find tickets? Well, I go to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, to me, is the best source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. And you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. That's why I like it. It's convenient. It's easy. But right now, they have a really special offer. What they're going to do is they have an exclusive promo code. It's locked on. And if you're a new customer, enter locked on in the promo box and you get $20 off orders of $200 or more. That's $20 off orders of $200 or more. So go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $20 off orders of $200 or more, whether it's to the big game, whether it's the big concert or the show, whatever it is, $20 off purchases of $200 or more on Vivid Seats. I recommend it. Again, I wouldn't recommend it to you if they haven't been good to me. So again, use promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to the game, go to the show, go to the concert, 
and let Vivid Seats help you get there. This is the Locked On Podcast. I'm Taylor Travis. Locked On Aggies, your source of everything Texas A&M athletics. Again, Texas A&M coming off a 45-23 loss to number one Alabama on Saturday. A tough loss, but again, I think it went about as we all expected. Uh, If you remember my three takeaways or my three things that Texas A&M had to do to pull an upset, the first thing I said is they had to do the simple things. What that means is they can't turn the ball over. They'd have to force a turnover. They have to get off the field on third down. The secondary has to play well was another one. But really, they just had to do all the little things. Well, if you remember, very first play of the game, or maybe it was the second play of the game, Kellen Mond threw an interception, a rare interception for Kellen Mond, but he threw one. And then the very next play, Alabama over the top, touchdown, uh, to Tungo Viola, to Devontae Smith. It looked just like that touchdown they scored in the national championship game last year. But it was funny because in a very short sequence, I say funny, maybe it wasn't funny to a lot of people. It was ironic. Because in a very short sequence, in a span of three plays, we saw Texas A&M do two things I said they can't do if they want to pull an upset in Tuscaloosa. Kellen Mond threw an interception, turned it over, and on the very next play, Tua Tungo Viola, over the top, 30 yards, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And that really showed me, when that happened, I was thinking, okay, well, that might be too much. Because like I said on Friday, Alabama's offense is so good, and Texas A&M's secondary is so suspect that I think if A&M turns the ball over once and Alabama scores off that turnover, it's probably going to be too much for Texas A&M to overcome. Now, Texas A&M did get some stops. I will give them credit. But at the same time, you can't give up 500-plus total yards, and you can't give up that many yards through the air and still win the game when you're taking on Alabama, and you can't afford to turn the ball over twice like they did. It's as simple as that. Now, another thing I said Texas A&M needs to do to pull an upset was to establish a run game, and they did get some good rushing yards from Kellen Mond on some quarterback draws, some plays where he had to scramble out of the pocket, and he improvised and picked up a first down. That did happen, but the offensive line against good teams so far this year, Alabama and Clemson, has not been able to get any push up front. None whatsoever. That's concerning. That's very, very, very concerning to me because, number one, Travion Williams is one of the most talented backs, if not the most talented back in the SEC. And when you're unable to get push up front and you're unable to utilize him, it's kind of a waste. It really is. But it's concerning because in the SEC, especially on Texas A&M's schedule, There's a lot of teams that have really, really good defensive lines. Very, very, very good defensive lines. We saw Clemson, who has the best defensive line in college football, maybe college football history, with those three future first-rounders and the other guy who's going to be probably a second-round pick. Alabama has a very good defensive line. Also, Mississippi State, Auburn, Kentucky, who, by the way, beat that Mississippi State team pretty handily. Kentucky looks good. That's a worrisome game to me on Texas A&M's schedule. But there's teams on that schedule who have a really good defensive line, and I haven't seen any push up front from the offensive line, and I haven't seen anything that leads me to to believe that Texas A&M's can be able to run the ball during SEC play. 
And that's very concerning because you cannot be one-dimensional and win games in the SEC. You can get away with it against a Louisiana Monroe or Northwestern State, but when you play teams like a Clemson or an Alabama or looking down the road an LSU or an Auburn, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to beat those teams being one-dimensional. So the Texas A&M offensive line has to figure something out. They have to find a way to get a push and get Travion Williams, uh, open up holes for Travion Williams to be able to run through. Because right now it's not happening, and that's a big concern for me as we uh, head down the stretch in SEC play. Three good things, three bad things. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. But first, I want to tell you about my bookie. I did an absolutely terrible job this week picking against the spread. I think my picks went 1-6, and 2-5. and five. So you might not want to take my advice when it comes to betting against the spread. But one thing I want you to take my advice on is go to my bookie. They've been good to me. They'll be good to you too. And right now, they're slammed with new betters. It's college football season. Everybody's jumping on board, as they should. But they also want to give you the best service possible. And they're going to do that by giving you a promo code. It's on college 25 And if you enter that promo code and you wait until after 7 o'clock Eastern Time, PM, or 6 o'clock PM Central Time, they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. That's an additional $25 on deposits over $100. That's more money for you to play with, for you to bet with, and for you to win more money with. It's easy. All you have to do, promo code ONCOLLEGE25. Make sure you're making your deposit after 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central, They'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. That's on College 25. Again, if they hadn't been good to me, I wouldn't recommend them. They've been good to me, and they'll be good to you too. That's my bookie. Again, you're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source of everything Texas A&M athletics. I'm your host. I'm Taylor Travis at TaylorTravis15 on Twitter. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Aggies. But again, Locked On Aggies, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Texas A&M coming off a loss to Alabama, a 45-23 loss. Now, there was a lot of bad, but there was also a lot of good, and that's what I want to get to. I want to do my three good things and three bad things, and I want to start with the good things because even in the 45-23 loss, I saw a lot of positives. I saw a lot of reasons for Texas A&M fans to be, to be excited about the future of this team, not only long-term, but also short-term as far as the season goes. But I also saw some things that were very, very concerning. And we're going to get to that later. But first, I want to talk about my good things. And my number one good thing that I took away from the game on Saturday, even in the 45-23 loss, was the run defense. The run defense was very good. It's been solid all year long. Even against Clemson, they stopped that Clemson rushing attack. And they shut down Alabama on the ground as well. Alabama has two really talented running backs, Damian Harris and Najee Harris. Texas A&M allowed, I think it was 56 yards total to Damian Harris. Najee Harris didn't have more than that. He had, I believe it was 47. Uh, Tua Tungo Viola, also a dual threat guy. He can hurt you on the ground. Texas A&M didn't allow that. He only gained, I think, 10 yards. So overall, Texas A&M's run defense allowed 109 yards to Alabama. 109 yards. And that's an Alabama team who's notorious for being able to run the ball down your throat. And I know this year... With Tua Tungo-Viola and those talented receivers, they might be more of a pass-first team, at least more so than they've been in years past. But still, the Alabama team has such a good offensive line. They have such good, talented running backs that they can and they will run the ball down your throat. But Texas A&M on Saturday shut down that run game. Again, 109 yards, that's it. Texas A&M outrushed Alabama, 130-109. to 109. 
even though a lot of those rush yards were Kellen Mond scrambling. But if you were to tell me before the game that Texas A&M would outrush Alabama, I'd probably be thinking, hey, Texas A&M might pull the upset here. I, re- I really would have thought that. But they didn't. But still, the Texas A&M run defense was really good, and that's going to be big time down the stretch. Because if you look at the schedule, there's a lot of teams on that schedule who like to run the football, and they run the football well. You have Auburn. You know Gus Malzahn loves that read option. And now with Jared Stidham, who's extremely mobile, also has a really good arm, he's kind of the perfect quarterback for the Gus Malzahn offense. But that Auburn team loves to run the football. You also have teams like LSU, who have absolutely destroyed Texas A&M in the past on the ground. I remember, I think it was two years ago, when Darius Geis came into Kyle Field and ran for like 24 miles on Texas A&M. And they ran, I think, maybe four or five different plays all year, or all all game, I should say. And Texas A&M just had no answer. Well, the Texas A&M run defense, so far at least, looks like they will have an answer this year. And they do have a really good shot at beating LSU if they can stop the run. And you have teams like Mississippi State. They love to run the ball. They have Nick Fitzgerald, who can scramble as a quarterback. They have Aris Williams and Kylan Hill, two really talented running backs. Even Kentucky. I mentioned Kentucky earlier in the podcast. But Kentucky is looking really good. They're looking like a solid football team who can win some games, and they might have a chance to finish second in the SEC East, because Georgia obviously is the best team in the SEC East, the second best team in the SEC, I think the second best team in the country. But Kentucky very well could be the second best team in that SEC East. And with a running back like Benny Snell, who I think is the most underrated running back in the conference, maybe even the country, that's going to be a really tough game for Texas A&M. But, but if their run defense played like they did on Saturday, if they're able to shut down Benny Snell, that game gets a lot easier, and I get a lot more confident that Texas A&M can win that game and that they can win all these games on their schedule. Because if you stop the run, you're shutting down what LSU, Auburn, Mississippi State, Kentucky does best. And those are the toughest games left on your schedule. So you have a really good shot. If your run defense plays like it did on Saturday, I don't want to say to win out, but win nine games maybe. It's very possible. But in order for that to happen, the offensive line has to play better and the secondary has to play better. We'll get to that later on. Another good takeaway of mine, takeaway number two on the good things, Kellen Mond in the offense played well overall. All things considered, considering they were in Tuscaloosa taking on an Alabama team who at least in my eyes, looks like one of the best college football teams I've ever seen. And at the end of the year, I think will be the best college football team we've ever seen. But Kellen Mond was able to move the ball. He did have two interceptions, which weren't great. They were bad throws, but he did make some plays. And one thing he did that really stood out to me was as bad as the offensive line was, he was able to stay in the pocket. He stayed in the pocket as long as he could, kept his eyes downfield, stepped up, and made accurate throws for the most part. Most of his throws were very accurate. When he needed to, he was able to roll out, scramble, extend the play, and make plays that way. Kellen Mond, to me, continues to impress me. I heard all offseason that he was going to be the guy. He had been taking big strides. I had a source on the inside tell me that unless a disaster happens, Kellen Mond's going to be the starter. And I wondered just how much he could have improved in just one offseason. I knew he would improve because what I saw last year from Kellen Mond as a freshman... A lot of people didn't like what they saw, but at the same time, when he's a true freshman getting thrown in the fire, 
He made some really big throws against Arkansas last year, against Alabama at Kyle Field. He made some really good plays. But we're seeing a much more mature Kellen Mond, a much more seasoned. We're seeing a Kellen Mond who's really grasped and embraced the leadership role. And we're seeing the entire offense rally around him. And it's really good to see. My third good thing that I took away from this game, and I had the same takeaway after the Clemson game, so I'm probably going to repeat myself just a little bit. The toughness of this team is a night and day difference compared to what we've seen in years past. It really it really is. I would argue that a Kevin Sumlin coached team, had they thrown an interception on the second play of the game and then given up a 30-yard bomb over the top for a touchdown, they would have rolled over and they would have lost that game big. But the toughness under Jimbo Fisher, and I know it's going to take a while. It's not an overnight thing. It's a process. But the toughness of this team under Jimbo Fisher, you can already see the fingerprint of Jimbo Fisher all over this team. They don't quit. They don't roll over. They don't back down from anybody. And that's really refreshing to see if you're a Texas A&M fan like me. They fight. They battle. Again, they don't back down. And I think they truly believe. It shows. They're confident. They truly believe that they can beat anybody in the country. Jimbo Fisher has them sold. They're completely buying in, and they believe that they're as good as anybody in the country. It shows, and you really can't beat a team like Alabama or Clemson unless you believe in yourself and have confidence that you can not only compete with, but beat those types of teams. I'm excited. I'm really excited. It's refreshing to see, and I'm very excited about the future of this Texas A&M football program under Jimbo Fisher. We'll get to my three bad things I took away from the game in just a little bit. But before that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. I'm a big fantasy football guy. I'm sure you are too. And what I like about FanDuel is they have your classic fantasy format, but they also have different games you can play. And my favorite game is probably Gridiron Pick'em because it's simple. You choose your winning team for all the Sunday games. There's no spreads. It's just straight up. $10,000, 10 grand will be split among all the top pickers every week. So let's say there's 100 people tied for first place. Well, that $10,000 gets split evenly between all of them. If you're the one and only top picker, if you're the only person who picked all the games right, you win $10,000. It's fun. It's easy. It just takes a few minutes to fill out. It's a good thing to do when you're trying to just waste time at the office or if you're just trying to have fun with some friends. I strongly recommend it. Gridiron pick them on FanDuel. It's fun. There's also a lot of other really cool games. Another one I like is called Beat the Score, where all you have to do is beat a preset score. For example, let's say it's 150. If you get greater than 150 points, you win. It's simple. Again, FanDuel, I love it. I play every Sunday. I hope to see you there too. FanDuel.com. This is the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source of all things Texas A&M athletics. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. Locked On Aggies, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I just gave my three good things that I took away from Texas A&M's 45-23 loss to Alabama on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. And it's time to give my bad things, my bad takeaways, my negatives. And there were several of them. And there was a couple really glaring ones that have me really concerned, down the road especially. But my number one bad thing that I took away from this game was the offensive line. The offensive line, to be frank, looked awful. Kellen Mond was sacked seven times, and I would argue that all seven of those times he was sacked, he didn't even have a chance. He didn't even have an opportunity to throw the ball away because they were in his face so fast. Travion Williams couldn't get anything going on the ground. We saw that against Clemson. We saw it again against Alabama, and that is really, really concerning to me, and I already brought this up for a little bit. I want to get into it a little bit more. When you have a running back like Travion Williams and you can't use him, that hurts. 
It really does. But in SEC play, there's so many good teams that you cannot win games being one-dimensional. And I know that Texas A&M is probably not going to see a defensive line as good as Clemson or maybe even Alabama again this year, but there's still teams that on, that's on their schedule who have really good defensive lines. Mississippi State, Auburn, LSU, Kentucky even. I mean, there's a lot of teams with really good defensive fronts, and if Texas A&M can't get anything going on the ground against those teams, they're in trouble. It's true. They really are. They're in trouble if they have to be one-dimensional like they were against Alabama. I know Kellen Mom was able to pick up almost 100 yards on the ground scrambling and running quarterback draws, and that's going to help. That's going to help a lot, actually. But you still have to be able to give the ball to Travion Williams, especially in third and short situations, especially at the goal line. Because if you can't punch the ball into the goal line and you're settling for three points, you're in trouble. You really are. So that's a big concern to me going down the road is the play of the offensive line. Now, Eric McCoy looked okay. It looked like he was healthy. Uh, but I, I know the offensive line's young. It really is. And they're going to be a good offensive line down the road. But this year, I'm just very concerned about their inability to get any push up front. And that's going to be a serious problem in SEC play. It really is. My second bad thing, my bad takeaway, was the secondary. I said on my show Friday that I knew the secondary was bad. That was my main concern going into the game was Tua Tungo-Viola against the Aggie secondary. But the Texas A&M defense gave up 415 yards and four touchdowns through the air. And they looked really bad doing so. There was missed assignments. There was a lot of missed tackles, which is a huge concern in itself because that's something we've seen for a long time now, dating back to when Kevin Sumlin was was a head coach, 2012-2013, it seemed like tackling was a huge issue. When Kevin Sumlin hired John Chavis, I thought it would improve, and it didn't. And now Jimbo Fisher's at the helm. Mike Elko's the new defensive coordinator. I thought we'd see improvement there this year. Still hasn't happened. The tackling is a big problem. It's a really, really big problem. And I know that secondary is young, and I think a lot of it these days is football's a lot less physical than it used to be. And I think in high school, some players aren't taught the right way to tackle. So a lot of these coaches have to start from step one. And that makes it really difficult. But that being said, it needs to get better. And I think it will get better, but it needs to get better fast. I know that the uh, the Donovan Wilson ejection didn't help. Donovan Wilson, probably the most experienced guy on that Aggie defense as a whole. He's a ball hawk. He gets the football. He hits hard. But he got ejected for targeting. There's no depth in that secondary for Texas A&M. That's really concerning to me because if Donovan Wilson goes down with an injury or if he gets ejected again for targeting, we've already seen it twice this year, what's going to happen? Who's going to step up and make plays? Because it was nobody on Saturday. It was nobody. I was hoping to see a little bit more from Leon O'Neill, the freshman safety who a lot of people are really high on. I am too, but again, he's only a freshman. I don't think he's quite there yet. But I'm very concerned about this Texas A&M secondary down the stretch because they are a big weakness, a big Achilles heel for this Texas A&M team. As good as their run defense has been, their pass defense has been just as bad. It's been terrible, and that's going to be a big concern going forward for me. The third bad thing, and i got to bring this up because I think it's just so stupid, the targeting call on Donovan Wilson. I'll say it again. I think it was the right call. It was the right call because it was the correct interpretation of the rule. But that being said, it's a really stupid rule to begin with. And I understand player safety is a huge concern right now, especially with all the concussions and the CTE. It's a big issue, and I think it's something that needs to be addressed. 
But I think there's a better way to do it because a lot of these hits that players are getting called targeting on and players are getting ejected for, I'm not going to necessarily say they're clean hits because by rule they're not. But they're not intentional. They're not malicious. They're not trying to hurt the other player. A lot of it's just wrong place, wrong time. You're going in for a tackle, a clean tackle. The offensive player lowers his head. Your helmets hit each other. And then, bang, that's a penalty. You're ejected. That's targeting. It's dumb. The NCAA needs to figure something out. And I think the answer, at least the best answer I can come up with, would be that if you get called for targeting and it's not malicious, if it's malicious, you can be ejected. I get that. I support that. If you get called for targeting and it's something similar to what we saw from Donovan Wilson on Saturday, I think it should be, okay, a 15-yard penalty, that's fine. But that's like strike one. If you get called for two of those in a game, then sure, you can be ejected. But the fact that players are getting ejected for hits like that, it's ruining the game. And it's really making it hard on players on defense because they know it's in the back of their mind. If I go helmet to helmet, I'm tossed. It can't be easy. It really can't. It's a really dumb rule. I think the NCAA is going to address it because it's something that it's ruining the game. It's making it really hard to watch. And we're seeing a lot of good players get called for targeting and get ejected during crucial points of the game. It's bad for the game, it's unfair to the players, and something needs to be changed. It's not going to be changed during the year, but over the offseason, they have to revisit that because there's got to be a better way to approach that. Again, I understand the concerns for player safety. It's a big concern of mine, too. Concussions, CTE, all that are very, very serious. But this isn't fair to the players. Something needs to be changed, and I think it will. I really do. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Tomorrow, we'll continue to break down this game. We'll continue to look back on the loss on Saturday. and We'll also start to look ahead to the matchup on Saturday against Arkansas at AT AT&T Stadium, 11 a.m. on ESPN. So that's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to that. But until then, thanks for listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. Again, I'm your host, Taylor Travis, the Locked On Aggies podcast, your source for everything Texas A&M athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.